that I want to read. It's familiar, and it's going to set the context for me today in this 17th verse. And we will be using the, the 17th verse. Did I put the 7th verse? 17th verse. So y'all may have to uh, change that just real quickly. 17th. It says here, I'll just read it to you while they're getting the, the, the change. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Now that sounds, you'd have to, you got to study that out for its context. But it's speaking of those that are in leadership in the body of Christ, that there has to be some measure of cohesion in the fellowship in order for God to add the fullness of his favor. Because look at this here in this next phrase. I want to catch this today. For they watch for your souls. For they watch for your souls. It's a heavy matter to be involved in pastoral ministry. It really is. I, I don't think that we sometimes really factor the weightiness of it because we don't necessarily see the eventual judgment of God in the context of those that are placed in positions of leadership. What I mean by that is the Bible says here further is that we watch for your souls as they that must give account. So God's going to hold us that he's placed in leadership in the body accountable for how we have led the fellowship, what we have said or done, or our lack thereof. And sometimes I believe there will be many that will stand before God who will uh, be judged. I don't mean be lost for eternity, but I'm, you know what I'm talking about in that sense. For sometimes for our lack of what we could have done or what we could have said. And so he said here that they must, must give account for that they may do it with joy. Now, I am pleased to pastor the greatest church in all of Arkansas, in my personal opinion, and I do it with joy. It's not a heavy burden to me. It is a, it is a joy. I'm privileged to be with men and women of like precious faith. Uh, I don't ever see myself separate from this body. I always see myself totally connected and united in heart and mind and in spirit. It's not that case in every church, but it is in this church. If you're here and you're a visitor today and say, Pastor, we're just searching for a church. We want to be a part of your unified church. Well, you're in the right place. You are. There's a group of people. We're unified. Doesn't mean we always agree. Right? Because all husbands and wives don't always agree. But you can still be unified, knit together. We're still for each other. Right? And not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. I want to share with you today a subject matter. Here's the context. From the wall. You may not understand it right now, but you will in a few moments. We're going to read a few verses of Scripture to initiate this process, but I want you to just be prayerfully considering from the wall. Father in heaven, bless this time together. It's already been sacred. It's, it's easily discernible, the hand and the fingerprint of God in our midst. We discern your presence, Lord Jesus, and we pray even now that as we transition from praise and worship and adoration of your name to prayer for one another, to now to the exhortation of your word, Father. Now open our eyes and open our ears and let nothing hinder us from receiving your word today, God. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And you can be seated. There's one particular word in that 17th verse of Scripture, and I could have chosen other verses to use as a key text, but I particularly chose this one for the entirety of its context. But it's not rule, or it's not submit, or it's not give account, or it's not with joy or unprofitable. It's the word watch. It's the word watch. 
And that's a familiar word in Scripture, especially in the New Testament. Let me take you to the original language, just in what it actually means in the purest, simplest form. And in essence, just means to keep awake. Now, that, I know that's a big deal for many of you as I preach. Yes, I understand this, because I see forward, and, and you can't see the person in front of you. And sometimes when their head's going down, doesn't mean they're praying. Okay, I understand that. It's for a moment of time. So it means literally or figuratively. But in essence, it's also translated, and through the additional translations, that expounds it for us, and it also expands it in our understanding, uh, too. It means to be vigilant, to be vigilant, in essence, and, or to, to be circumspect, or to be attentive, to be ready. So in the context of slumber, it means, you know, wake up, spiritually speaking, to the times and the seasons in which you're living. And that belongs to every generation. I know we are 2,000 years past the time that this is written but every generation needs to have the fullness of the body of christ circumspect come on uh, concerning what's going on around them let's go a little bit further jesus used because y'all haven't caught it yet i can tell jesus used this word in various passages scripture i've narrowed it down to just a few matthew 24 and 42 he said watch therefore for you know not what hour your lord doth come Right, watch. And so, in essence, don't be caught asleep, spiritually speaking. Uh, 43rd verse, same context, but we can expound it a little bit differently. If the good man of the house had known and what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and not suffered his house to be broken up. So, in essence, when we were in Israel at the, at the Nazarite village, they told us that the father of the house often slept at the doorway of the house, the goodman of the house, so that he could watch over his house. If he had known in what hour the thief would come, he would have not been asleep. He would have been awake and been more vigilant to defend his house and property and family. Come on. Matthew 26 and 38, Jesus again says, My soul is exceeding sorrowful. Now, this is the Garden of Gethsemane. Even unto death, tarry here and watch with me. And this was in the late hours of the night. Correct? Y'all remember this passage of Scripture very well. And so, Jesus was about to go and pray. He's feeling the weight of the cross that will soon be weighed upon him. And so, after his own personal prayer time, the first time that he left Peter, James, and John, those three select uh, men, to pray with him, he went back, he found them asleep, and then he reproved them. And I love Jesus' reprimands. And the reason why I say that is because when somebody reprimands you uh, with the right spirit, they really care about you, right? Because it, somebody that just lets you continue down a path or continue to abuse spiritual privileges with or, or whatever without reprimanding you really doesn't care about you right because that the end thereof will be destruction but so jesus re reprimands those that he loves what could you not watch with me one hour he found them asleep he, and he said couldn't you just watch with me i feel that way when i'm preaching to y'all up here i just asked for about an hour that's all i asked for could you not just watch with me one hour? 41st verse, verse, he said, so then watch and pray. So now he connects prayer to it. So in order to be spiritually vigilant, you have to be engaged in prayer, right? And I'm not talking about that there are times that you are sleepy when you pray. I understand there are times when we, have, we, we can be uh, sleepy when we pray, but I'm talking about a sense of being prayerful and watching, being vigilant, being circumspect to the times and the seasons in which you live. Mark 13 and 37, Jesus here in this context, what I say unto you, I say unto all. 
Now he broadens it. Now, initially, he's really narrowed it. First, he's speaking to his disciples on the Mount of Olives. He's spoken to uh, all of his disciples. And now he just kind of adds, and I'm not just talking to you guys here. He's saying, I want this to resound generationally that to all who put their faith in me, what I say unto you, I say unto all. You need to be aware. Listen, have you forgotten that we wrestle not against principalities or against flesh and blood, but that we do wrestle against principalities and powers? How many know the enemy has a scheme or a plan or a plot or a device against us individually and the church corporately? All right, let's go a little further. Paul then picks up on this word in his writings. First, in his speech that he gave to the Ephesian elders in Acts, the 20th chapter. So I told you I'm just going to read for about the first 10 minutes or so, just kind of creating a deeper context. Paul draws the Ephesian elders. This is the last time he's going to see them. He asks them to come, and it's kind of a very special moment. And he speaks to them, and I won't rehearse the whole sermon to you, but he says, therefore, watch and remember. So sometimes in order to watch, you got to remember some things that have been previously said because they were said prophetically. And we've, we believe in the voice of the, the prophetical voice, that, that God sometimes raises the curtain up just a little bit to let us see and, and anticipate so that we can embrace uh, and prepare for. He said, therefore, watch and remember that for three years I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So for three years, he said, I was warning you of something that I saw prophetically, and now I want you to watch and always and, and remember so that when it comes to pass, you'll know this is what had been said prophetically and that not only have you already prepared yourself, you're ready to advance God's calls in the midst of it. Does that make sense? Let's go further. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Watch ye, King James English, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. I, I know we don't talk that way today, but just be strong, he said. Simply just be strong. Be strong in the Lord. Don't give up. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Colossians 4, continue in prayer. Once again, the emphasis is tying watching, being vigilant to prayer. Watch in prayer. So when you're watching, you're not just watching television. You're not just discerning the times based upon CNN news, God forbid, or even Fox News, God forbid, but you're discerning the, the, the times and the seasons based upon the voice of God that's circulating. Are y'all hearing me today? That's circulating in the midst of his body. So he said, so continue in prayer and watch. So listen. As you pray, you listen. You observe in the same, and yet you're always thanks. We're always thankful, no matter what's going on. Come on, we're just thankful because God's for us. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 6, Therefore let us not sleep as do others. So not everybody's going to be as vigilant as you are. You may have to nudge them. You may have to nudge them today just to get through the end of this message. But they need to be awake not only literally or, but also spiritually, figuratively. He said, as, do not sleep as others, but let us watch and be sober. So just because other pastors are quiet on certain subjects doesn't mean I should be. Just because other churches are not as engaged in the things that I'm going to talk to you about today doesn't mean that I should not be. Are you hearing me today? Let's go further. Last one, 1 Peter 5 and 8. So not only have we looked at Jesus referencing the word uh, watch, 
Because, again, we're, we're connecting it to the unknown writer of the book of Hebrews where pastors are exhorted that we watch for your souls. Here, the apostle Peter also uh, joins his voice to Paul and also here uh, as well to Jesus. He said, be sober. And you say, well, pastor, I don't see watch in there. That's because you're not looking at it in the Greek. Because in the Greek, the word that's translated watch is now in this passage translated be vigilant. So, again, it creates for us a deeper context. Be sober, be vigilant, watch. Be aware, because why? Because the adversary of the devil, how many know the devil has a plot or a scheme that's destructive to both your family, to our nation, to our culture, to the world itself, fighting against the people of God until the time of the end. And we have to be watchful. We have to be aware. We are not easily, we should not be easily fooled. But unfortunately, many of us are, so it seems. So let's go a little bit further. So that's the context that's been created to expound upon us the, the uh, greater depth of this word watch. It's not just isolated to this one lone singular passage in the book of Hebrews, but it is used all throughout the New Testament because there was an urgency in the, in the author. It was an urgency in the actual original speaker. There was something that was at work. There was something greater. There was, there was something that the people of God need to be sensitive to and that by human nature, we could be lulled into a spiritual sleep or apathy if it wasn't for us watching and remembering those that had the courage and the conviction to forewarn us of things perhaps like in the days of Noah that were unseen as of yet right go stay with me a little bit so now let me go further into occupations that are associated with the watch and every veteran in here including myself has has fulfilled a portion of this militarily we would call one uh, a watchman a sentry perhaps and if you were in, maybe it was at your job in the military, but at some point in time, no matter what you were trained for, you were then chosen to fulfill this task for a short period of time, even as early as basic training. Basic training, every, every didn't matter. Uh, you had at one point or another, you had a watch that you had to fulfill, teaching us this principle. So it's a century. And I'll give you a, I'm going to read through some passages of Scripture just very quickly. In Judges chapter 7, verse number 19. When Gideon attacked the Midianites, it said that they had but newly set the watch. It says they had newly set the watch. And so, in essence, it meant that there was an attack was going to be made. And Gideon chose to attack the Midianites just when the new guy came on. And the reason why is because he probably wasn't quite settled in just yet. He was probably a little bit more nonchalant, not yet acclimated. And, the, and, and Gideon chose that as an opportunity because and now Gideon's the good guy in this context, but our enemy's not. And the enemies of what God is doing in our lives is not. And he'll wait for moments when you're not spiritually vigilant. Let's go a little further. Nehemiah, the fourth chapter. Nevertheless, we made our prayer. You remember this. This is the repairing of the walls. And this is during the, 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 the time that the enemy, the people around Jerusalem, were threatening to come and to destroy the work. And so Nehemiah said, we made our prayer to God. And I'll tell you what, we need to be sensitive to God in prayer. We need to be bold. Shouting right there, but let's just stay with it. So we set a watch against them day and night. So we actually, he said, so we set sentries day and night that would look for the enemy. And you may remember if you read it later, deeper into Nehemiah, he said, I kept a brother by me with a trumpet. So if the sentry saw somebody coming, then he would tell the, the one beside me with the trumpet, we would sound the trumpet, and then we would all rally and defend the part of the wall that the enemy had chosen. 
right? It's a powerful thing that's revealed there through the occupation, even if it is but for an appointment at that season of a century. Now, not only do we have centuries, but we also have shepherds. Let me give you a familiar verse of Scripture, Luke 2 and 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. So the ancient occupation of a shepherd was also one that had to watch because they might not have been his sheep. He was responsible, had been hired by the owner of the sheep. They might have been his sheep. They may have not. And he needed to make sure that he was accountable unto the actual owner, the master of the sheep. And so by doing so, the reason why I brought this into its context, pastoral ministry, the word pastor only appears once or twice in the New Testament. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the 11th verse, when it's mentioned there in the Greek, the word pastor is also translated shepherd. And so the context here, it reminds me as a pastor, part of my responsibility is to watch for your soul. Right? And to be somebody that is spiritually vigilant and awake and say, God, I want to be courageous enough if I see things on the horizon. And shepherds sometimes had to see things on the horizon. Shepherds had to be sensitive and, and, and be aware that I need to warn and protect the flock. Now, shepherds and armies in the field would often use what's called a watchtower. You may remember two years ago, I preached a sermon about a watchtower that it is believed that possibly that's where Jesus was actually born at because it belonged to the temple where the actual, uh, the, the lambs that would be slain in the temple were actually born at. And perhaps that's where Mary was born at, or the Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary at that watchtower. But think about that. The open field, when you see the open field, you can't see as far as you need to so they erected watchtowers in certain places in the field so that when the sheep and the shepherds got close one shepherd could climb up higher and then he could become uh, more you know he would be have a greater vision in order to warn the flock in case there is a wolf or or a, a lion or in the case of an army it, there's an attack does that make sense let's read a couple of verses just to fill this in i want you to feel the context when i get ready to shift this in a moment habakkuk two and one i will stand upon my watch and I will set me upon the tower. In Isaiah 21 and 5, watch in the watchtower. And again in the days of Nehemiah, similar to what Jesus said. This is not even though there are those specifically called. There were sentries placed. Even though we have shepherds, Nehemiah said everybody's got to do his part at some level. And I love that verse of Scripture because even though he had sentries appointed, even though uh, we know that's the case, we see this passage. He said, but everybody needs to be vigilant. Let me tell you the time in which we live today. It's that everybody's got to, needs to awaken from sleep because the adversary is at work in our nation. So let's go just a little bit further today. So I want to take you into one of the more specific persons that's associated with watching. And this is someone that is not a sentry because a sentry might be actual a foot soldier and he's assigned that task for a short period of time. But I want to take you to what one that the Bible actually calls by name. This is not only just what he does, this is who he is, and he's called a watchman. A watchman on the wall. Let me mention it to you a little bit further. Let's read this passage of Scripture. 2 Samuel 18, the 24th verse. This is concerning David. It says that the watchman, so he is specifically called and appointed by the army to be a watchman, to go to the roof over the gate onto the wall. So the king was seated down between two gates. 
waiting for word about his son. I won't preach that context today, but he's waiting what's happened in the battle, uh, especially with his son Absalom. And in the 25th verse, it says, and the watchman cried unto the, unto the king. And so what would often happen is the watchman would watch from his elevated position on the wall as he would look in case there was an army that was coming to invade the land or in case there was a runner bringing news. And if it was in times of peace, if there was uh, like a, a caravan that came and the watchman could look down and could discern that it was peaceful, he would call down to the porter and say, open the door and let them in. So it was a very, it was a very, uh, uh, it was a, p- a particular occupation of great responsibility because if you open the door, and it was the enemy masked or hiding, come on, as the good guy, so to speak, then you could be held responsible. And so 2 Kings 9, just let me give you one more, and then we're going to read one passage of Scripture, and that's going to do it. For 2 Kings 9, it said, There stood a watchman on the tower in Jezreel, and he spied the company or the army of Jehu. So it says here in this passage of Scripture, he saw he, from his position the company that was coming to attack the city, and he cried out in response. So now there's one more passage of Scripture that we're going to read collectively, and that will set the context, and I'll be finished, and then I'll transition just a little bit. This is in the book of Ezekiel. For just a moment, Ezekiel is a prophet who is prophesying during the days of the captivity, the Babylonian captivity. We're going to read six verses, and then I'll add the seventh. But it's speaking directly to the watchman, this familiar occupation of the watchman. But it shows us how important an occupation and responsibility that this was. In the first verse, 33rd chapter, it's on the screen. It says, again, the word of the Lord came unto me. I thank God for preachers that have more than just a sermon. Man, we are, you can get some great sermons today. I don't want a sermon. I want a word from God. I'm just being honest. I want something that my ear has discerned as the voice of God. It's not always easy, but you're ser- that's what I'm searching for. He said, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and they set him for their watchman, If when he sees the sword come upon the land, he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and doesn't take warning. There are those that oftentimes continue to not heed warning signs. They do. We Even in times of storm. I remember years ago, I moved to, with my family to Biloxi, Mississippi for just a short period of time. And this was in the, the 70s. And Hurricane Camellia had come through in 1970. I think they call it Black Tuesday down there. They st- showed the school children. You know, years later, they're still showing the school children of what happened that day. And they, they, uh, they showed a particular apartment complex that there was nothing but the cement foundation left. And they highlighted because the police had gone to the apartment complex because there was actually a party going on there. And I still remember this. I'm like in the second grade. And I can remember watching this. And I'm talking about, I'm not talking about a DVD or a VCR tape. I'm talking about reel to reel. You know, on the wall, turn the lights out. This is being shown on the, on the screen. And then they showed that the police said, look, 
There's something coming, and you're at risk. And they went back, and they were like the third time. And finally, they, they themselves had to take refuge. And the next day, the only thing left was the foundation of that entire apartment complex. Because some people hear the warning signs. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? I'm going somewhere, so y'all got to stay with me. And they don't heed the warning. But he said, so he says, if that happens and the sword comes and take him away, his blood's going to be on his own head. There's only so much you can do for people, right? And he said, he heard the sound of the trumpet and he took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. Let's go a little further. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take away any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. My God, this is about to transition right here on paper in front of us. And so, again, in this context here for a moment of time, we see that this is a very, very important occupation that God said if the watchman doesn't do his job, he's going to give account before God one day, right? Because people are going to perish if we don't warn the people appropriately. So then, oftentimes in the Scripture, we have a figurative and a literal application. That's initially a literal application of the occupation of the watchman. But from this respected and necessary and critical occupation, God now, the same way that Jesus used things that were natural to teach spiritual principles, God in the Old Testament is doing the same thing. And now he's going to take it and use it figuratively in the context of prophetical ministry. Let's read further. Seventh verse only. There'll only be one other verse of scripture I'll read in a few moments. He said, so thou son of man. Now he's speaking not just through Ezekiel. He's speaking to Ezekiel. And he said, I have set thee as a watchman unto the house of Israel. Even though he himself was a captive in Babylon at that time, God had chosen him to be a watchman to the people of the nation, not only there with him, but also back in Jerusalem. He said, therefore, thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and shalt warn them from me. And so God said, this is a very unique and, and needed occupation, a watchman. But figuratively, it represents a greater and a needed work, and it is a prophet. We need somebody prophetically that has the ability to see and to hear things that are coming more than just in, uh, you know, in the natural order, but also spiritual. We need both. We need people that are aware. So think for a moment of time. A sentry could only see what was right in front of him. A watchman on the wall could only see an army on the horizon. But a prophetical watchman who's been elevated by the Spirit, not by a ladder. Come on now. That's been lifted by the Spirit, the Spirit of God. Remember what John said? I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and he lifted me. See, God lifts men and women at critical times to speak things to them. So a prophetical watchman is elevated by the Spirit and he could see what was coming days, months, or even years in advance. So now go back to Acts 20. Paul the apostle warning the Ephesian elders said for three years. So last time you're going to see me, he said, the last time you're going to hear my voice, you don't have the ability, you're going to have to remember. But for three years, I warned you of what? Things that have yet to arrive. He had been elevated in the spirit to the role of a watchman. 
Jeremiah was a watchman to ancient Israel. Ezekiel, Isaiah, Daniel, and many others. John the Baptist warned his listeners to flee what? From the wrath to come. Jesus warned his beloved Israelites of the city of Jerusalem's destruction. Paul warned the Ephesian elders of grievous wolves entering in and not sparing the flock. So within the context of God's kingdom, you and I need those that have been elevated by the Spirit to a place or a position of perception in order to see, to discern, and to warn the people of God. We do. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? So let's go a little bit further. We know what kind of watchmen we need in our generation today. Isaiah 62, the last verse that I'm actually going to read. I think they'll post this one on the screen. He said, I have set watchmen upon thy walls which shall never hold their peace day or night. God said, I'm going to choose watchmen. They're not going to fall asleep on the job. They're not going to succumb to religious persecution. They're not going to succumb to political persecution. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? But if they've seen and discerned something in the spirit, they're not going to keep silent. Come on, we need men and women today with voices and with convictions that are so strong that they're not moved, are y'all hearing me, by the ebb and flow of hypocrisy and then uh, supposed religion that we have in the United States of America. And so I want you to hear this today. I would never in any capacity claim to be a prophet. I would never claim to be a watchman in any capacity. If I wasn't already on CD today, I would say, make sure you write that down. But from the position of my calling, what is that position of my calling? I'm a shepherd, a pastor. So what's my responsibility? To watch for your soul. To look, to get on the, the, the watchtower if necessary. To pray and say, God, what part can I play for the good men and women of First Assembly of God that if I see something coming, that I, here's what I want to be honest with you. I see some things that are not only coming, they're already here already here that many don't seem yet to recognize. So I want to do something for just a moment. I Very seldom do I address certain things that can be deemed political, but I don't necessarily believe these things are political. I believe these things are biblical and spiritual that need to be addressed. I very seldom would ever say anything and contradictory towards people that are in elected offices, but I am going to contrast a statement by our president today. Concerning America's greatest threat. America's greatest threat. Let me just address that from my position on the wall. First of all, let me tell you what, I know some of you are thinking it is, and I'm not, but it's not. It's not Islamic terrorism. I know that's hard for some of you to think. It's not radical Islamic terrorism. Even though that is a very, very real and growing threat. It's getting real quiet in here. It is, there may come a day when you're not just watching it on the news, right? Okay, even though it's a real threat, it's not in my personal opinion based upon my perception, not the greatest threat, nor is it North Korea. Even though that continues to, who knows what that's going to look like. It's not even Iran's potential nuclear weaponry through this agreement that could possibly come at a later date and time i don't know that in my personal opinion now here's what president obama said is our greatest threat he said it's climate change okay let me just tell you from my place of whether i'm on the wall or the watchtower or just with the sheep i see america's greatest threat is not climate change but cultural change 
cultural change. A culture that was once shaped by, I feel the Holy Ghost right there saying, Lee, I know everybody ain't for it, but you just keep on preaching. A culture once shaped by, listen to this, a culture that was once shaped by and influenced by the church is now becoming totally secular. To on the edge of humanistic and liberal. Now, let me, if that offends you by me using the term liberal, let me explain. When I use the term liberal, I'm not targeting the difference in the Republican and the Democrats in the context of the Commerce Clause. I'm not targeting that today. That's not my objective. Not even in the context of the general welfare because many, many have sincere sympathy for people that are impoverished and they have a perception that it's the government's job to help fix that. Well, I'm not even here to argue that today. Because I could argue that, but that's not what I'm using the term for But when I use the term liberal. I'm using the term liberal in this context. An ideology that all things historically American are historically evil. That's what, I, that's what I'm addressing. I'm addressing the ideology that changes the truth into our lie right in front of us. And tells it over and over again until we suddenly believe what is a lie is now held to as the truth. Let me take a moment and go a little bit further. What's happened, what's not only coming, it's already here. But America's colleges and universities have sown the seeds of evolution, number one. Because when you're just a mass of, you know, the, something that has evolved into the state, then why be sensitive about abortion and things of that nature? Because so, so we're, we're, we've seen the, sow, the seeds of evolution and secularism, which is anti-God and everything public, Right? And also now liberalism in the context that I'm speaking of for 40 years. And now the effects of it are starting to take root. It is. And now with this for just a moment, the Hollywood, Hollywood and media's usage of movies. All right, let's go there for a moment of time. And television. Can you imagine if you compared television of today to television of the 50s? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? And we think that liberalism in the con right context, understand what I'm talking, that, that it doesn't affect young children to watch all that from the time that they're this big. When moms and dads have, have used television to help raise their kids, that it's not going to affect them. It is going to affect them. The violence. Video games. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? Pornography. Pornography takes all different levels. It's not just some Playboy magazine somewhere. Pornography is in all areas of our society. Matter of fact, you can't Google search anything without being confronted by pornography. You can't even drive from here to Little Rock without a naked person on the billboard somewhere. And, and, and so, very quickly, then all the, all the context of the media that has produced pornography and violence and malice and lasciviousness, which is licentious living and sensual living, and now blatant blasphemy of the name of God, programmed, has programmed the generation of young adults that's rising in our culture today. It is. Even our own children and youth are at risk. Three of the ten that JoJo will send off to, to universities and colleges 10 years from now will still be in the faith. Seven of 10 will have been deprogrammed in their minds. 
from this cultish behavior of the assemblies of God to become secular. It's a real, listen, church family, while we've been playing games behind the four walls of the church, the enemies had a plot and a scheme and a plan. And perhaps some of the fault lies with preachers who haven't had a sensitive ear to the voice of the Holy Spirit or the willingness to stand behind a pulpit and address the issues that are affecting their generation because we do so under the pretense of being afraid to offend anybody. And I know we are that so sensitive generation, even in the church, they're seekers, sensitive, be careful. New converts or people that are coming to Christ, so you gotta be careful. Listen, I can't, I can't be silent for you today. I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. If, you, want, if you, you came by your own free will to the first assembly of God, nobody made you, put you in handcuffs, drug you here today, you're here. But I'm telling you, from my place on the wall, I see things that are already here and we need to become more aware of what's going on around us and so that we can be actively involved let me just tell you even further the lgbt's agenda you know the lesbian the gay the bisexual and the transgender's agenda to redefine both marriage and sexuality and they have succeeded it's not uh, they have succeeded but now they're attempting to define human sexual anatomy. Such as the infamous bathroom bills that keep circulating all across the nation. Thank God for the governor of North Carolina that said this, if you look down and you see male anatomy, then you go to the male bathroom, to the men's bathroom. And if you look down and you see, I don't care what you might be feeling, if you look down and you see female anatomy, you know what? We may have made this too complicated. Nature's made it pretty simple. Come on, somebody. But I'm just telling you today, I'm just telling you that you don't want your seven-year-old little girl showering or going to the bathroom in the same bathroom with a 37-year-old man that got up that morning and said, today, I feel Shania Twain coming on me. Man, I feel like a woman. No, you don't want that. Come on, somebody. You don't want that. But let's go a little bit further. The ACLU's agenda to take God and Christianity out of the public arena is resulting in a secular nation. Even in America today, our Christian traditions our morals and our values and our influence, not only is it, was it slowly, but now it is quickly being discarded. Now it's wrong to say Merry Christmas to somebody during Christmas. Preachers and Christians who oppose any liberal agenda, remember the usage of the word liberal, any liberal agenda, especially the supposed LGBT rights, are labeled homophobic, bigoted, the religious right-wingers, and recently, in the words of our president, we're mean-spirited. Mean-spirited. Because if you oppose anything along that agenda, then you are mean-spirited. Well, maybe I'll take offense at the fact that you oppose my agenda. Let's go a little further. This is what's happened in our culture today. Think about with me for a moment of time, Planned Parenthood. Remember that big controversy a few months back? When those that were, that people snuck in with cameras to multiple Planned Parenthoods around the nation and found that there is a market for body parts of babies that have been aborted. 
and that doctors would actually manipulate the abortion to preserve certain of the body parts in better condition so that they could be more marketable? Do y'all remember this? Is that hard for us to fathom? It ought to be hard for us to fathom while we sit in our four walls and play church. It ought to be, it ought to be something that moves us on the inside and say, that's wrong in the eyes of God. You know what's happened, though? The only person that has been indicted is not those. It's not the doctors. It's not the founder. It's not the people that are over Planned Parenthood. The only person that's been indicted is the people that created the video. That's where we're at in America today. So from my perception on the wall, let me tell you what we're about to see if we're not careful. The days of Lot may soon come upon us. The days of Lot that could come upon us when violent extremists will back us up in our houses of worship with threats of violence. You better be careful today, church family. I'm just telling you. You better wake up out of your little spiritual slumber and realize that there has been a deep and a dark agenda of the enemy at work to silence the voice of the church, to silence the influence of the church because the enemy is set on men and women's destruction. The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Come on, somebody, and have it more abundantly. Now, let me say this. I may be out on the edge on this one. This is not a prediction. This is just simply a little bit of my own perception. But if elected, my, 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 my particular uh, opinion in this, if Hillary Clinton is elected, she could launch an attack on the First and the Second Amendment rights of American citizens. You say, no way, Pastor Brown. Well, let me go. Let's go back to the infamous, you know, the First Amendment right, the right to do what I'm doing here today, to speak to you in a lawful assembly, right? We have a right to gather in a lawful assembly, and I've got a right to share. We're in agreement for this moment right here based upon our constitutional rights. And so with this, remember the Houston mayor, the, the openly gay or lesbian Houston mayor, who was passing the first bathroom bill that was eventually overturned by the voters of Houston, she attempted to subpoena the sermons of the pastors that were speaking out against it. Don't think that there will not be a darker agenda coming in the future. I won't even touch the Second Amendment rights right now. Well, it'll be for a later date and time. But you know what we're about to see happen right here in front of us in the United States of America? The warnings of the founding fathers are about to be fulfilled. The warnings of men that had set their ear, they had set their ear to the ground and they had opened their heart to understand certain things concerning the American Republic. Let me say this, because it affects you, your children and your children's children. So don't think, and I'm so tired of what the rapture doctrine has done in the American church. Oh, my God, Pastor, would you say, yes, the American church held to the rapture doctrine. Jesus is going to rapture us out of here, so I don't care what happens. That's wrong in the eyes of God. We are to occupy till he comes. We don't know when he's coming, but we got a job to do. Our job is to influence the culture, to be salt and light. It does matter. In your silence, someone else has spoken up. Our founding fathers, two statements from our founding fathers that we are seeing come to pass. And it is, Benjamin Franklin, only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. So as nations become corrupt and vicious, they have more need of masters. 
And as lawlessness soon breaks out in America, you say, Pastor, have we seen it? We see it on the streets of Ferguson. We saw it on the streets of Chicago. Are y'all hearing me? And it may not always be held in the big cities because lawlessness is not limited to these giant metropolitan cities and communities. Lawlessness is right here in Heber Springs where people don't value culture and value history and value tradition or value laws, right? Because they've been raised godless, secular. Let's go further. John Adams said, our constitution was made only for a moral and a religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And so today, we as the American church too will reap the bitter harvest of our apathy, our hypocrisy, and our turning a blind eye and a deaf ear to the secularism, the liberalism, and the humanistic attempt to redefine and redesign America. Many of our founding fathers believed not only did America have a, a great purpose of uh, freedom for all men, but at the same time, it would be from that platform that the gospel of Jesus Christ could be propagated. And America has led the way in missions and outreach and been a light because of the church and the influence of the church. But somewhere along the line, 40, 50 years ago, we got intimidated. Pulpits like mine, because of fear of losing our nonprofit status, we're afraid to address these issues. Why media declares it 24-7 and corrupt politicians declare corrupt policies and, and, and all these things while the church remains silent. But I'm here to tell you a new day is dawning in the body of Christ where men and women have a conviction are beginning to arise. And I'm telling you, God can take men from the sheepfold and put them on the wall to warn people. And I'll tell you what, I want my voice to be included with the voices of others to challenge us let's be aware because the enemy does not slumber and he does not sleep and he wants to steal kill and to destroy and he wants to bring our nation to its knees and hinder the effects of the gospel of jesus christ going around the world no nation like the american christian church has supported missions but if our economy struggles and breaks down and founders in the midst of what lawlessness and lawlessness does not know a political party are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Lawlessness does not know Democrat or Republican. Lawlessness is based upon the sin nature of man filled with anger and bitterness. And so before I close today, you say, Pastor Brown, that's all good. You've told me what others have already told me. Uh, maybe it's for the first time you're hearing it, but always there's a three-worded question that we would ask. Is there hope? I'm telling you what, I thank God for America. I'm thankful God for that I'm an American leader or that elected leader we need repentance all the way from the white house to the poor house to the church house come on somebody that's the only thing that's going to actually bring the turn of america the republican party or the democratic party or hillary and bernie or whether it be trump or ted they're not going to fix the situation let me tell you the only thing is when hearts rend before god and cry out in repentance and say god we need your help that's the only thing that's going to turn things around and so you say pastor brown what can we do number one we got to repent of our apathy and it should start at the house of god Amen. it should 50 percent of christians don't even vote don't even take the privilege and opportunity number two it's time for you to wake up not just repent 
Repentance in the mind of so many is, well, I ask God to forgive me. No. Repentance means if you're going this way, you need to go that way. Make a change. Make a change with who you are and what you are and what you're doing. Repent of your apathy. If you were apathetical before, then what do you need to do? Wake up. Become vigilant. It's time for you to watch. Let me tell you how it goes in the military during basic training. During basic training, Pastor, how do you know? Because I was there. And many of you other veterans were there. And so during the time you're in basic training, you have to stand watch over your unit as it sleeps every two hours. And so if it's midnight or if it's 2 o'clock or 4 o'clock, it doesn't matter. If the next man comes in and shakes you and wakes you up and says, you know, Airman Brown, that's what it was, Airman Brown, it's your time, then I got to wake up, I got to get dressed, I got to gather my faculties, and then I got to go take my place as the sentry for my unit as they sleep. And I'm telling you, I'm praying that my message today is, is resounding in your ears to the degree that you're going to wake up. Turn, matter of fact, I know it sounds like a black church. That's okay. I get a lot of my preaching style from the black church. But you ought to turn to your neighbor right now and say, wake up. You need to wake up. You need to wake up. Be vigilant and to watch. You know what you also need to do? You need to fight for your heritage. Your Christian heritage. Yes, America was founded on Judeo-Christian values and morals. It's never been perfect. It never will be perfect. But it did have a foundation of principles of truth that were drawn much from the Word of God. And you have a right to stand up for them. You need to know the Constitution. Pastor, how are you going to help me with it? I got a personal copy of the Constitution of the United States of America for every person here today. You need more than one, you take more than one. I ordered 500 of them so that you can give them to your children and your grandchildren. Listen, don't get apathetical on me right now. We don't even know. We don't even know what our rights are. You better know because there will come a day when somebody's going to try to take them away from you. And you need to know. So do not leave. They're right here beside Janice. Matter of fact, when I end the service, I'll have usher stand at the back doors of the church. And I'm about to end the message in a moment of time so that you can take them with you today. Make sure you're reading them. Join me on Wednesday nights. We're going to study them together in the weeks ahead. Amen. Demand accountability of your elected leaders. I don't care Republican, Independent, or Democratic. Demand accountability. Don't vote with your pocketbook in mind, but vote with this book in mind. As Jesus warned of the leaven of the Pharisees, I've warned you today of the leaven of secularism and liberalism. For attached to some people's sincere motive to supposedly help the poor is a much deeper and darker agenda. And we must guard ourselves I encourage you, join the cause, get in the fray, fight for your family, fight for your future, return to traditional values. Why is it in the contemporary church that we have to abandon everything traditional as if there's no value in some of those traditions? Sometimes there's great value. Don't be silent. You got to be a watchman yourself, right? Right? I'm give, this is my moment right here. 
in the sheepfold. You will have your moment. You've got to warn. You've got to warn the wicked of his ways. Did you know you can already see it coming? There's going to one day soon be a push for a universal religion that somehow grabs the hand of Christianity, grabs the hand of the Jewish people, and grabs the hand of the Muslim and pulls it all together in some happy kumbaya moment. I'm just telling you, you got to know what you believe and be firmly and fully persuaded. So what are we to do? We're to watch and be sober as you stand up today. You got to watch. Few of you ushers come forward. Grab these books if you would right there from me. Stand at each door to give these free copies of, and take as many as you want. I've got more in my office if you pass them all out to your family. I'm going to close today with two things. Jesus said, what I say unto you, 1223, I've preached about 45 to 50 minutes today. A little bit over time, but I don't care. You needed to hear it. How do you know that, Pastor Brown? Because I'm your pastor. Because God put it in my heart to watch for your soul. God put it in my heart to watch for your soul, to challenge you. I'm not trying to angle you towards a political party. Political parties do not solve these issues. Repentance and the light of the gospel and the truth of the word of God solves the issues. Are y'all hearing me today? And so I want to just remind you, first of all, what Jesus said. He said, what I say to you, I say to all. Watch. To you, to your family, to your children. Become aware. Awaken the spiritual apathy from your eyes or the spiritual slothfulness and slumber. Wipe it, out, wipe it out of your eyes and wake up. Let's see what's going on around you. Just see. Are y'all hearing me today? Being honest with you. How, how foolish can we be in the context of a bathroom bill? How, how foolish? Because we don't want to offend. What about the young girl that will eventually be molested in that bathroom or that shower? What about that child? Because it will happen. Because there will be predators that will take advantage of that moment. And I know we can't stop all those things, but why, why are we fretting over whether or not? Why, 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 why is this even an issue? Because that's the effect of where we're at. When people are taking offense at men going to a men's bathroom and women going to a women's bathroom. I make a promise to you that if it ever comes to Arkansas and there's a failure at our, in our legislative process, I will, lead, I will lead the Do Not Lift the Lid campaign. I will lead it. I will. And I'll tell you, it will work. If prayer and fasting seeking God won't, you let enough women sit on a lid that a man has urinated all around on it, I'll tell you what, they'll storm the, the, the Capitol. To put it back. But they don't ask me those questions. But I'm just making the promise. If it ever comes. Because it makes no sense. It's just, it's, I mean, it simply makes no sense. Nobody's trying to offend anybody. We're just saying, God made a man different from a woman. And protect the distinction.
Jesus said, what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. A pastor like me that preaches a message like this, in no way do I in any way suppose or presuppose that you're looking up here saying, Pastor Brown is claiming to be a prophet in no capacity. I'm a pastor, Hebrews 13 and 17. says that I watch for your soul. That's all I'm doing. It's going to affect you. It's already affecting us. The light of the truth of the gospel. You are a truth bearer. Know what you believe. Walk out and be strong. The only thing that can dispel error is truth. Truth cannot be contained just inside the leather copies of a Bible. Truth must be lived and exhibited in the life of a believer. Right? And that's what we need in our nation today. I didn't know how to end this message. I'm going to end it by just praying and asking you to pray with me today. Let's pray that we will all.